podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. There weren't many podcasts which tipped Ireland to win by 20 plus points, but we did. Welcome back to the Kale on S Rugby Podcast 2023 Rugby World Cup Pool Stage Recaps as we take a look back on Ireland's convincing 36-14 win over Scotland in Paris last night. Set up a quarterfinal bout with New Zealand this coming Saturday. Join me this afternoon are three returnees to the podcast. Firstly, making his first appearance this season is Red Hand Podcast host Peter Lockhart. So welcome back, Peter. Thanks, Kieran. And we also have more returnees, firstly, in the form of Leinster and Ireland fan, Tom Coleman, who wins his fourth cap today. So welcome back, Tom. Cheers, Caelan. Thanks for the invite again. Always good to have you on. And we had to have a Scottish perspective, even if I'm not sure if he wants to be here. He hasn't addressed that yet. But we have David Arnott joining us as well. So welcome back on, David. Cheers, Caelan. How are you doing? All good. No, no, always good to have you on, lads. And as, as always, we start with just kind of the overall thoughts of the game. I'll start with yourself, Tom. Good win for Ireland, bonus points secured, placed in the quarterfinals. But what did what was your main takeaway from last night? Well, first of all, I just uh, just haven't met David for the first time, and the last thing he wants is my my sympathy. But uh, I had to do the Leinster pod the Sunday after Leinster got back by La Rochelle, so I know exactly how he feels. And he has better things <laughs> to be doing than reanalyzing this game. So uh, look, I feel your pain, mate. It's not that long ago in May since I went through the same. Ordeal having to review a shite match, so uh, fair, fair juice to you for coming on. Um, <laughs> as for the match itself, yeah, look, um, there was obviously a lot of chatter before the game about you know, it's it's a long rivalry of Ireland and Scotland, you know what I mean? It's, it's you know, doesn't need to be said, you know what I mean? There's a bit of rivalry there as well at club level between, especially between Munster and and Glasgow's, um, a little bit of needle, and that always brings, I think, both teams always, always sort of bring it, but um. You know, from an Irish point of view, it was a fantastic performance. It's very hard to be be down about any particular element of how the game went. Um, uh, I think I know it's over simplistic to say this, but I think probably Farrell got his selection right. There's consistency there, and um, for me, I said before the match, this isn't even hindsight. I've said elsewhere. I just felt Townsend got his selection wrong. Um, I think Ireland went after. Um, Darcy Graham a little bit early in the first few minutes and they did get some reward, especially when we were trying to find a little bit of foothold in the game. I know we got an early try through low, but Scotland did have a lot of ball for about 10 or 15 minutes. Um, they weren't really testing the Irish defence. I know there was a lot of infringements and, and Scotland decided to... I think they were thinking of the four tries before they were thinking about the three points or what they thought they needed. And and sometimes I think we've, we've all looked at enough games over the years, whether it be for... Ulster or Munster or Glasgow or my own Leinster team and you just realise you need to sort of win the game before you start thinking about tries and maybe that was just a little bit of an error maybe they had no choice but to feel that they needed to go at every opportunity so it's very hard it's easy for me to sit in judgement in the sideline but uh, when the teams was announced I was delighted Hamish Watson wasn't named and I know that was compounded by their captain going off which was a big loss in Ritchie but Scott Moore having difficulties around the breakdown and look I know people have uh, you know, you know, how do you stop? Is that the breakdown? You know, I think our rook speed went out over four seconds against the South Africans. I know we won that game, but 
for me, somebody like Cambridge Watson was a must in that 23. There was an argument maybe um, staying on the wing would be a lot more defensively sound, especially when Scotland probably knew what was coming from Ireland, whether it be Lowe's exiting, which he got a few big boomers, or or, or just targeting uh, Graham at the air. We did get some return off that at a time when when we, 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 we just needed to get a little bit of a foothold in the game, even, even though it was only 5-3. So... Um, yeah, and then I think I'm trying to remember the last course. The call at nine was a strange one. Uh, White seems to be the go-to man, and just to change back to Price was a bit strange as well. Um, it just, I think, you know, people might say the match started off badly for 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 Scotland with the the early low try, but I think myself just the selection was where the issue started. Now, who knows how the game would have ended up otherwise? But I just think, um, from an Irish point of view. I was delighted that, that Watson and Stain weren't playing and, and I was a bit surprised by, by Price starting. So um really from there, once Ireland got the second try, it was it was very difficult for Scotland to get back into it. That's you know how I felt the, the pre-game went and, and just I thought Townsend just made a few mistakes. Again, hindsight is great, but that was just my own thoughts before the game and I'd seen nothing during the game to make me change other think otherwise. Yeah, and that's that's understandable, and it's it's echoing a lot of the sentiments we made in the preview pod. That you know, even myself, I thought, she's considering that Scotland wingers were defensively shown up in March, not to go with Stain, who's just that more solid choice was was one that stood out. Watson, as well as you said, and we will get into kind of the injuries and Scotland six two and all that with David later on. But Peter, I might come to you first. Tom said there, Scotland looked like a team who who chased the game, who chased the bonus points straight away. I remember Rod on one of his many interviews said before that every time Munster needed a bonus point, they'll always kick the first penalty because it got it out of their head that they were chasing it. You know, and that kind of a mindset, Scotland didn't really seem to have that. It was very rushed. Um, Obviously, Ireland got off to a fast start, but in general, it, it did feel like the tone was set in the first maybe 15 minutes of that game. Well, yeah, I, I agree. And I think from a psychological perspective um, from the Ireland team, well, to start with, I go into a lot of these games pessimistic and I do that because then you're pleasantly surprised, you know, if we if we if we do OK. It's a good attitude to have. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an Irish mentality. Now, I, I don't like this. um this label of being favourites going into games, because even the, the trash talk during the week, I was hoping that wouldn't get this, you know, Razzy Erasmus with his cheeky comments during the week trying to unsettle Ireland a wee bit um, even Blair Kinghorn coming out during the week saying, you know, we want the end Ireland's tournament and all that I don't want to misquote him, but I'm pretty sure his words to that effect and and of course he does you know, absolutely, but um, it was it was just a bit of trash talk during the week, and the same from Ireland Our, Ireland were getting very arrogant, and I don't like being too arrogant because it can only you only set yourself up for a massive fall, now that didn't happen, obviously. A part of that was like obviously Scotland were poor. Um, the opening stages of this game were absolutely key. I think it settled us as fans. It obviously settled the team. This uh, Ireland do what they always do. They they sort of suck teams in. They get into a dangerous position. They're pretty clinical in uh, the opposition twenty two. Um, narrowed their defence. Some big carries, chucked it up, and then an early uh early try. 
Um, the thing that was most pleasing for me, and I know there, there's many aspects which we'll come to in this game that were um, some outstanding individual performances, but it was the Irish defence. Um, and I know, right, granted, Scotland didn't offer a huge amount going forward, but they did have, a, they went through a lot of phases. There's waves of Scotland attack, you know, in the opening I, stages. I think Ireland made 200 tackles just to... Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's. I mean, hugely impressive. But it was just there was that um, passage they had. It had up near, probably near enough twenty phases. They actually ended up going backwards by the end of that. It was just, it was an impenetrable wall of defence, and it was good. And that psychological battle that you win. How disheartening would that be if you're doing everything you're told to do by your coach? Townsend will inevitably have told them to do that be patient build up go through your phases get points on the board and whenever you're being knocked back every time that's a huge um psychological blue and then when king horn went off jimmy ritchie went off um you could sense a heads were drop uh, dropping now they came back into it a wee bit more but uh, again just uh, we dismantled scotland in every area really even line out omani like again we'll talk about him later on but um so disruptive in the line out stole a couple um ireland were clinical and overall look a very impressive game and a huge psychological boost uh going into the quarterfinals 100 percent agree and the flip side of it is you know yes ireland are coming in on a high and probably the point that i was stressing to make last night was this was not a perfect performance from Ireland. They made an awful lot of handling errors. You know, the the two tries they conceded, they'd be very disappointed with and in their own regard, especially considering, you know, we'd only conceded one try a game in the in the first three. Um, David, for your perspective now, like I I, I was chatting to a, a Scotsman in in the pub last night at halftime and he just said, they haven't shown up. They, they have not been there so far. And that must be the most infuriating thing because, you know, to lose... Yes, to come third in this pool is, is not a bad thing, but for Scotland to, to lose by 20 points, lost by 12 to South Africa, it feels like they never really fully fired a shot yet in this tournament. No, I think that's probably the most disappointing thing is that for certainly two two of the biggest games uh, in our recent history, and we never showed up for either of them. Um, you know, we, we fronted up well against South Africa in the first half, never appeared second half, and this time other than maybe a kind of 10-minute spell in the first half. Never done anything. You know, we, we've, we've, we've walked away from 10 minutes of good possession, as, uh, as, as Peter had said there, and walked away with nothing. Went backwards, kept going backwards, kept trying to push for the try. Couldn't get through that Irish defence, which is phenomenal. I mean, that's a ridiculous defence. Uh, you know... Donald Trump could have built a wall out of that and he would, nobody would have got through. <laughs> you know, we, we did nothing. We did nothing. And we're going home because ultimately we, we don't deserve to go through. That's, that's my opinion. Um, you have to you have to show up in these big games and had we, as unlikely as it seems, had gone toe-to-toe with Ireland and maybe come out, you know, with a 40-30 to 30 point loss... Uh, so you know, having scored a few tries ourselves or whatever, there'd be no shame. Man. There'd be no, you know, we, we've gone head to head with them. We've given everything we can, and we've not got through. But it was the nature of it, you know, to to turn up with what was it, sixty, sixty fifth minute we scored or something. You know, it's far too late to do anything. 
we, we can argue. We can argue. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair way of looking at it because it was... Like, how many games would you win when you don't score a try for 60 minutes and you're playing a team who who don't concede tries? You know, it's it's very hard to to play your way into it then from there, isn't it? And, and, don't, and don't get me wrong. I mean, if we had taken the three points early on, would it have made much of a difference? Ultimately, probably not, no. But, you know, I think we were partly guilty of trying to trying to get ahead and get those those big points in those tries early on when what we needed to do first of all was just try and win the game you know that that was I was having a conversation with somebody last Saturday and that was what, what I had said then as well is that we need to be in a position to win the game there's no point in trying to win it straight away we need to be in a position where with 15-20 minutes to go maybe we can do something maybe we've we've frustrated Ireland stopped them from doing anything and we've got to a point where okay let's you know, now we need to chase it a bit, let's go for it. There's no point in trying to chase it straight away. And I think that's what we tried to do. It did us nothing. I think, uh, just just adding to what you were saying earlier, but I think if you look at the Six Nations game earlier in the year, I think, going back to the coaches, I think the Irish coaches learned something out of that game because there was times when Scotland really stressed that Irish defence in the Six Nations. I know the game went a bit, Skew is after that with, with liners and stuff, and but but in, in that first half, where I mean, I think one of the said was Hugh Jones scored a try. Um, Scotland were finding holes, and Ireland seemed to have corrected that. I know, obviously, not just for Scotland, but for the for the World Cup. Yeah. Where where Scotland, obviously, there's a weakness out wide in defence. You know what I mean? It's been highlighted a hundred times, but even by amateurs like ourselves, and it's never really been fixed. You know, I think Townsend maybe is something to answer for that. Like, it's something that obvious where, where two Scottish wingers, which are which are talented guys, absolutely will rack up tries no matter where they play. Um, well, the system is a weakness there for 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 wide defence, and it just Ireland obviously gets so much off going wide eventually that that wasn't shouldn't have been a surprise. And I think that all the tries went to the corner, maybe apart from yeah, Dan Sheens was in the corner too. They were literally in the tram line, so. You know. Well, I think that that's been that's been a massive problem for us. I mean, you watch, you watch any game. What? No offense to him, I'm going to single him out here, but, but you watch any game with Duan Van der Merwe, and he is one of the best attacking players in the world, without yeah. a shadow of doubt. He'll score you. You know, he's not played that many games for us. He's already well up there on the try scoring list. But defensively, he's suspect, uh, very suspect, and. He's easy to get through, and he reminds me a lot. I said a lot bigger of Tim Visser, who was exactly the same for Scotland. Scored a lot of tries, but defensively questionable. And when you have that on one side, and then Graham didn't do particularly great either last night. Stain would have been a big difference there. I think. I'm not saying we would have won. No, it's not. You know, Ireland would have won. Looking at how they played, Ireland would have won regardless of who we'd picked last night. Even if we'd picked a 1990, uh, what do you call it, Five Nations winning squad, they would have won. But, um, you know, you had to, we, we, we made some questionable calls in big areas that have now ultimately come back to haunt us. That's, that's all very fair. We, uh, we will get into Scotland in kind of a, we'll talk about maybe the injuries, the bench, and maybe going forward. 
<laughs> what was that, dude? Do we have to? Unfortunately. Well, I, I can take it if you want, but then, you know, <laughs> I don't think anyone really wants that, like, to be honest. Uh, Tom, would start with yourself, because I just want to run through the match, kind of, and the, the, the key talking points, and probably the big one was Ireland's fast start, because we talked about, you know, their ability to start fast, especially we've seen it in the New Zealand tour, we've seen it in, in Six Nations games, and when James Lowe crosses, you kind of think, okay, that's straight away, that pendulum of momentum and pressure is just all on Scotland now. You know, within, what was it, 63 seconds or something the score was, or yeah. something like that. That was huge for Ireland. Were you expecting them to come out of the blocks, or or well, how did you, you take that? Because it was, some people expected it, some people called it, others didn't. Yeah, no, I sort of do, I do expect it. I said, I'll just put on my own provincial jersey for a minute. I think Leinster scored um, more than half their games. They scored tries in the first five minutes. So I'm not saying that translates to Ireland. Of course, there's similar players and there's different coaches. But, you know, I think any good team really wants to put the opposition in their back foot and put doubts in their mind. So Ireland have been going for that start, fast start for quite a while. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't... Okay, obviously, when it goes in so quick, you're overly surprised. But I, I think... What we've seen from Ireland is that once they can get numerous amount of phases, there's enough attack and threat there that they're going to get very close to a try anyway. And I don't know, I think Ireland's 22 entries last night versus what they got out in points is quite high. I don't know what the ratio is, but I know from looking at it, it was quite high. And Ireland are able to just put phases together and sort of stress defence, just sort of blind and open and, and sort of drag players around. And they're always going to go close to a try when they're in that 22. So you know, as I said, sometimes you might just get a a, a knock on error and the defence gets a relieving kick out or whatever. But but if Ireland hold on to the ball, I'm not surprised that they get within five meters. You know, it's just a matter of finishing it then. Um, so I wasn't overly surprised. Um, I think in contrast to Scotland when they had the sort of twenty phases as as Peter touched on, um, it was very lateral, very side to side. I know they end up going backwards, but it it just it just looked like they were, and it was the same against South Africa. You know, South Africa's defence um, disrupted their attack and um, just didn't look like they had a plan B. Yeah. Plan, Scotland, Scotland's plan A is very, very good. And it's not, you know, people say about Ireland being number one and it's no coincidence and, you know, whatever, 16 wins in the trot or what is it now, 23 wins out of 25. It's 29 out of 31, I believe. Yeah, Scotland are, were fifth for a reason because they've put away an awful lot of teams. Um because our plan A is quite good. I think, again, coming back to hit, you know, talking about Townsend all the time, but it was a sink lack of plan B um, when plan A isn't working, you know, so, um, and it didn't work against South Africa. And I know South Africa are a very difficult team to get any sort of plan going. We, we have a plan B, it's just to do the plan A again. <laughs> Dude, What's plan C to do plan B again? Plan C. We, we, yeah, we, we just add the two of them together and then try again. <laughs> Yeah, and and Tom, in fairness, you you mentioned the centre pair in there, which is something we spoke about beforehand. Like, I believe they had one clean line break against Ireland in the Six Nations, and that led to the try. They had none then for the next, whatever it was, 60, 70 minutes of that game. They had very few, if any, um, last night. The stats are kind of hard to get for these games. Very few clean line breaks last night. And that kind of lack of a penetration up the middle, like we spoke about it off camera, like... When you don't, when you have someone like Finn at 10, he's a great pass for Everton, but if he's not getting go forward ball from the lads around him, 
What but is I, he supposed to do? Yeah, but I think the stat, you know, in defence of the two Scottish centres, stats only, to me, only tell some more. If you look at the stats from last night's game, apart from the point the try scored and maybe Rooks won, Scotland win on every single stat. You look at line breaks, offloads, metres run, it's Scotland. And then you look at the, the game physically, it was chalk and cheese. So, uh, you know, I can look back at the Six Nations game and and see that the two boys did cause Irish problems. And it was a lot more than just that one line break. I think we were pulling the fence around the place a good bit and they didn't put enough away chances. So I think it may be a little bit harsh to say they didn't do anything for 60 minutes. I know you're paraphrasing you there, but the stats only sort of tell you so much. You know, if you're looking at, as I said, if you're looking at the stats from last night's game, you'd think Scotland won 36-14. Like, I'm just looking at it here. Clean breaks, defenders breeding, gain line carries, passing, offloads. Um, the only thing we won, apart from the scoreboard, was turnovers won. And I don't know how, how efficient we are around the rooks. But, um, you know, stats, yeah. <laughs> stats are only one part for me. You wouldn't think, wouldn't think looking at that game last night that Scotland were... At least dominating on 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 the stats board rather than rather than the actual physical match on the grass, um. But yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be as harsh on the two centres. I think Scotland's problem started up front, um. And you know, I go back to the selection that I spoke about the end that started the game. Um, I just you know the scrum was decent enough at the start. I think the referee was a little bit fussy and a lot of scrums going down. I think we were a little bit lucky to get away some of some of the calls there. Um, but they, they are what they are. Um, but once um Richie went off, the back row was a problem, and it became an even bigger problem. Like that trio that Ireland have, really dominated every facet of the game. And it doesn't matter what centres are doing, or even your nine or ten. If you're losing the game at six, seven, or eight, your 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 game is in trouble. Um, because you know there's a hundred rooks in the game. There might be less than ten scrums or ten lineouts, but. At rook time, that's where it's all won and lost. And if Ireland won't get the quick ball, which they did, and that long arm presentation, Scotland did try and get in a few times to turn it over. But just that technique of that long reach back to give Gibson Park quick service. And that's why he had such a such a good game. South Africa were able to disrupt it. And that's why he had a quieter game. But, um, yeah, it, I just couldn't believe Scotland went with the back row that they did. And obviously, you can't plan for Richie getting injured. Or maybe you can um, or clearly planned something anyway, but it just that was that was the end of it for me then because the Irish back row sort of dominated the game. And it's it's good you meant on to that because I want to talk next about the the selection as we mentioned, but also kind of those injuries, Jamie Ritchie and Blair Kinghorn go off, but especially because Scotland went six two. They didn't have a recognised out half on the bench. They had two flanker or sorry, a flanker and a number eight in um, it's Luke Luke Crosby and Matt Ferguson, and David. Like this was a question mark coming into it, you know, going six two. There was always that risk not having someone like Haven Watson on the bench, and yet as Tom said, when Richie goes off and Ferguson comes in, Ferguson's a fine player, yeah. but from there on in, O'Mahony, Van der Fleer, and Doris were the best back row forwards on the pitch. I think. I mean, Rory, Rory Dodge has, has been fantastic this season in the URC. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It, it, the fact that he's pushed sports and down in selection um, before, you know, that, that tells you how good, he, how good a player he is. I think I can I can live with the back row that they picked. I, I don't have a problem with the one that they picked. I think 
not having Watson on the bench was the problem for me. Um, I would have had him on the bench because you never know how injuries are going to go now. We, you can't, you, you know, you don't plan for, for your captain to go off after 10, 15 minutes or whatever. But you have something there in place in case you do, or even just in case you need to change the game. And I think Watson, for me, would have been the one who was the, the, the game changer there, potentially. Um, I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, he's away in a Lions tour and he's playing fantastically. Now he can't even get in the squad. Mm-hmm. Um it just that that for me was was a big mistake, um, and then the six two. I think you know could Healy have been a better option on the bench? Could we have had another winger and picked Stain on the bench? Who's versatile? He can play in two or three different positions. Could have taken up uh, you know the wing or, or full back if need be. Like it's all left bus maybe. On the way that on the way that Ireland played last night and on the way that Ireland started, I'm not sure any squad or any team that we'd picked would have done much better necessarily. Um let's be let's be let's be fair. This is a this is a an Irish team that is number one in the world for a reason. You know, they, they played fantastically well. They have done for a long time. They've grown and grown and grown every single year. And I'm not sure we would have had the players to cope with them regardless of who we picked. But I do think there was certain glaring omissions into that team that may, may have made some difference. May have made the score slightly smaller. May have won it, doubt it. But may have made a difference. And I suppose it's kind of the 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 narrative coming into it, the the picture it paints, because not having say Ben Healy on the bench, and this isn't because Ben Healy is is Irish or anything, it's more because he's a recognised ten. If Finn mm. isn't having a good day, at least you're like if Kinghorn stays in the field, you take off Finn. It's a lot of pressure on Kinghorn to go into ten then as well. Like there's there's that side of it. I understand Townsend likes him as a ten. But if he's not getting regular minutes, you're putting a lot of pressure on the young lad's shoulders. Well, it, it's even just given an, an option. You know, Finn is, Finn is very much a, a player from 10. You know, he, he wants to he wants to play, he wants to go, he wants to find different places on the players in positions and throw the ball around. Healy's not that kind of 10. Healy's a 10 who will get you territory and get you down the pitch. And maybe kind of brings, in some... brings everyone into the game, kind of. Yeah, and maybe that's something that we 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 needed more of. Was trying to get ourselves further down the pitch, you know, make it difficult for Ireland to score. Yeah. You know, yeah. make it's them hard. work for it. See if they see if they go 80, 90 meters and they've scored a try because they've had an absolute worldie. Well, fair enough. Make them work for it though. And I think too often last night with your tries. We didn't make you work. Not as hard as we'd probably like to. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair assumption as well because like the stat popped up after the game or during the game about kicking. I think at that stage, so or South Africa, apologies, Scotland had nearly doubled the amount of kicks of Ireland, but were kicking way longer. But they were just trying to hoof them over James Lowe, who sent them straight back down the field 70, 80 yards. And like that's 
I think we've been there, done that. Like, everyone knows that's not what you do to Ireland because they do have lads like James Lowe's just going to send it back. And I might move it on to you, Peter, to talk about kind of the key men last night because I suppose a game like this between two top teams, it's always about who stands out. Plenty of players in green, but also on the Scotland perspective, they probably needed a bigger game from Finn. From I know Kinghorn goes off injured, but maybe say Van der Merva, um, maybe Jack Dempsey, for instance, as a, as a tone setter. And unfortunately for them, they didn't really get it either. Yeah, no, as you say, you mentioned um, Finn Russell there, and sort of said before recording that if an out half doesn't play well very often, it's a result of his pack going backwards or not, uh, not not giving him um, front football. Um, and that's very much the case with Finn Russell. I'm a huge Finn Russell fan. I think he's a fantastic player to watch, amazingly skillful. You saw actually glimpses of that as well, some really good passes. But um, like if you don't have a dominant pack, you can't convert um, that into points. Whatever magic Finn Russell tries to produce, you know, you need a solid platform to do that. Um, Tuipalutu and Hugh Jones as well in midfield, again, really struggled to contain Aki in particular defensively per um and offer really very little going forward but i think that's i'm stating the blatantly blatantly obvious there in terms of the irish key players and, and who stood out to me again like it was a case of narrowing it down you could say one to 15 like everyone had a, a fantastic game it was genuinely a huge performance because scotland i know off off the evidence of last night you could see like scotland didn't play well, but they are a good team. And I was worried going into this game, I'll be honest. I'll be the first to admit that. I, I was saying, look, if they win, it'll be tight. Scotland, nothing to lose here. They'll throw everything at it. But um, in terms of our guys who really stood up, and I want to pick out um, one of the front rowers in particular. I mentioned a couple of, of guys here, but Andrew Porter, I think, was was excellent. Uh, Andrew Porter's a guy, props in particular, get overlooked so, so often. In terms of his work at the breakdown, his energy, his uh, ability to to get in and compete at the at the breakdown, uh, turned over. Um, uh, it was a, a key moment in the first half. Huge again. I talked about the psychology of a game. Uh, Porter gets in, competes, got that big turnover in the first half, and Scottish heads just drop. Uh, turnovers are, are so they're such a massive turning point in a game. Again, again, I think that gets a wee bit overlooked when you're watching it on TV. Um, but guarantee every player in that pitch will fail a turnover. Um, for you know, uh, really Boyd Ireland and equally Scotland look look. Um, looked absolutely devastated, you know, having put in so much hard work. So Porter, a bit of an unsung hero. We all know how good he is, but uh, deserves a, a special shout out. A combination of two other guys I want to mention, Dan Sheehan and Ian Henderson. Hendy came in for James Ryan, obviously. I think part of that was to help out the line out, which had struggled a wee bit. I'd say if you were to focus on one area of Ireland's game, which wasn't maybe up to scratch the line out, it struggled slightly. Um, and we saw that against South Africa. And we actually saw it in some of the warm-up games, sorry, not warm-up games, the pool games uh, against uh, some of the other nations. But um, Ian Henderson did very well, came in, um, typically powerful performance, got it, got himself a try as well to cap off what was um, uh, a really good performance at the set piece. Um, Dan Sheehan, again, 
Um, apart from his efforts around the field, obviously a very dynamic hooker, a great ball carrier, got uh, his 100% in the line-out, which, again, I'm pleased by the boring stuff, the defence and the, the set piece. Those, that's your bread and butter, particularly for the front row and your, your tight five. You know, you're looking to nail those things, and they did that. I think that's absolutely key. The other guys I just want to mention briefly, and again, it's self-evident how good they were last night. Hugo Keenan... Um, do you know Rob Carney was such a rock for Ireland for so many years and I think all of us were a bit like who's going to replace Rob Carney Rob Carney's the man Um, we're not going to get someone as solid as him Hugo Keenan can do it all there's in terms of his kick returns uh, his ability to deal with the high ball uh, a couple of tries into the mix as well and definitely not being in touch early in the first half (laughs) Ah, I know I know we prefer not to take too great of a look at that Um, (laughs) <laughs> if if he uh if he sticks a foot in touch, you know, uh whatever, he was fantastic. Um Bundyaki again, look, I think again, don't want to state the obvious too much. He has to be so far maybe the player of the tournament, certainly the best center in the yeah, tournament so far. Um he just he made life so difficult for um the, the Scotland center partnership. Uh, what he does, obviously draws in players, he's kicked on so much, now he's always a good player but he's kicked on so much at this tournament and, and shown that he is truly world class um, very briefly then Peter O'Mahony um, was excellent as well Disrupt, uh, dis- uh, disrupted everything Scotland did um, had their pack in the palm of his hand Um uh, Keelan Doris added to that as well typically excellent from Doris and finally a uh, quick shout out to Stuart McCloskey who came in for Mac Hansen, did very well um, it's it's an interesting one with Stuart McCloskey and I get what people say, he, he's not a versatile player, he's an inside centre you maybe do want someone to cover um, the the back three as well, or potentially even, you know, you, we want that wee bit of versatility. Stu came on, did very well, a couple of lovely touches, um, draws in defenders. His offload game is fantastic as well. He's reined that in a lot as well. He used to, he used to try and offload everything, even when when it wasn't on. But he's reined it in, and um, he he didn't look out of place at all last night. But as I say, we ended up with um Gibson Park in the wing quite a lot, you know, and. Um, and, did a, and did a very good job on the wing. He did so. He did so well. But you know, you're playing against the Scotland side who were who were who were poor last night. You'd wonder against the likes of New Zealand, how are we going to remedy that? A few big injuries, um, potential injuries even. So you've got Henshaw's out. You've got Keith Earls. Would usually he's the obvious man to slot in. You know, he can uh, Earls. He's the man. He can slot in anywhere. But in terms of um, in terms of cover, I'd be slightly worried. And as you say, JGP, excellent. It came on, did really well, fair play to him. But you just wonder against really quality opposition, you need maybe specialists or, or certainly guys who have played played there a decent amount um, to step in. So I'd be slightly worried about that. But like overall, there, there's I could have listed everyone, and I nearly did. But those are some of the guys in particular who had picked out some fantastic performances. Yeah. And for anyone who listens to to the Red Hand podcast, listing everyone after a win is is kind of part of the course. But <laughs> I'm always happy to do that as well. To be fair, um, and did Gibson Park like that pass for Sheehan's try was on the money? For instance, like you even look at Crowley's kick for the Ringrose try, like it's it's the small details. Ringrose 
and Aki were involved in the first two scores and were just inch perfect. And these these are the kind of if you want to point to, okay, well, if shit hits the fan against New Zealand, these execution errors weren't as plentiful as they were in previous games, for instance. And that's always good to see. And I move from to the other side of the ball with yourself, Tom, because Peter spoke about earlier as well about defense, but just so solid Ireland were defensively. Like there was the 20 phase set at one stage. There was really until the hour mark, Scotland did not look like scoring a try at all. And it was only when the game opened up. If Ireland are to go all the way, defense is going to be huge. Like we've, we've spoken about that before. What, what would you have any concerns at the moment though, when you do look at say Henshaw's out, we could be without Hansen or Lowe. Or do you think systematically it's it's in a very good place as well? Or even both? Oh, with both probably is the answer to that question in short. I think systematically you have to be 100% happy where Ireland is. But there's, uh, I don't know what that game is where you keep uh, Kerplunk or something. You keep adding, keep adding things and eventually it'll break. Uh, you know, there's only so many players you can afford to lose as best as. You just, you know, I think if you, if you look at James Lowe maybe is. Uh, sort of a epitome of the Irish defence. You know, he's a guy that came to Leinster and people looking at his defence is non-existent. He was used to playing Chiefs rugby and it was just all out attack and defending was like what? So if you look at his growth in the game and how he fits into that Irish defence and I think that shows you where Ireland are at in terms of defending the ball. You look across from 1 to sort of 15, there's no real weak defender in that team. You know what I mean? Uh, there's no way I would have thought that uh, looking at James Lowe's first few games for Leinster that he would be lifting uh, Evan Etz a bit on his shoulder and <laughs> stopping him. Uh, you know, that just seems universe, let alone worlds away. Um, so Ireland's game has always been built on that sort of strong defence and just that system of knowing and trusting the guy outside you. Um, like Sexton is obviously leads that as well. He doesn't shy from, from defence. Um, Gibson Park had some good, good defence last night again when he went out to the wing and again just, that shows you that the system was working um, there's no doubt New Zealand will, will stretch and test Ireland a lot more than Scotland unfortunately they didn't but um, yeah the system itself is outstanding um, everything is sort of built on defence really and from there on in you know, as, as you said earlier on we had 200 200 tackles um, and going back to David's point I think made earlier about kicking um, I think I think Scotland probably would have benefited from get, kicking to get kicking the ball a bit more and going long into territory I know you've got James Lowe but then you just don't kick it to, you don't kick it to James Lowe's side especially when Hanson went off and then again especially when Lowe went off I know the game may have been gone at that stage but you know yourself when you're looking at rugby there's certain props that are world class and you just have some random guy that maybe plays loose head for the Dragons or something that just gets under your skin and you just don't have his number. And for me, Ireland, and I'm even looking at Leinster over the last few years playing against Racing, just have Finn's number on on the way he plays. It's just a bad mix for Finn. And Finn, as the lads, we all said, I the season tickets and bath are going to go through the roof. Not that it's, it's, it's a fairly full place anyway, because he's always worked at the entrance fee and he's what he does. So that's, it's not a criticism of him. I just think Ireland is a bad match for him. Um, is, um, I think Ireland did end up quick and kicking twice as much in the end. And he was 30 to 17. I felt Scotland maybe could have kicked a bit more, but that's not Finn's game. He likes to take it to the line and look for those offloads and soft shoulders. And um, if you know what's coming, well, then that's easier to shut it down. 
and um, that's what happened there. That's part of our of a part of Ireland's defence. Um, yeah, it's just it, it's just a bad mix for 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 Russell playing against Ireland in in the way he plays. He just he just needed to maybe do something different. And Kinghorn obviously would have given that because he's I actually like Kinghorn fullback. I think he's a a quality player and he's a good future for Scotland. Um, he suits how they play perfectly. I, I yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good attacking threat as well. He would have hit that line, that three quarter line outside Hugh Jones, and and that was a loss to how Scotland were attacking because um, the infield came on just, you know, it seemed a bit out of position for him. Um, so that that to give because Scotland like to go wide, wide, fairly quick, and um, Kinghorn would have been sort of one of those line breakers Scotland would have been relying on, and. Um, they just it just was taking a piece out too many out of their attack, and it helped our Ireland's defense. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I think the reality of cup rugby and international rugby is there's going to be injuries and blows and whatever. And to their credit, Gibson Park is not a known tackling aggressive scrum half. We did well. He he landed one great shot on. I think it was Ollie Smith at one stage. I can't quite remember. He kind of sat him down. And I this that's what you want to see if a lad is going to be asked to do a job for forty minutes once every two years, whatever it might be, just to do it and to as well as he did was was unbelievable. And David, I do want to finish on Scotland, and we this is the last we'll talk about Scotland. If if that pleases you in any way, I put up a tweet last night. I kind of said they feel like a bit of an enigma of a team. Like they do play nice rugby, but it's it's. It's it's imperfect, like every brand, but it's imperfect. Like they're well coached, but have glaring issues. Like they're, we know they can be top teams, but history suggests they are more of a flat track bully. And I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but yes, they beat England every year the last couple of years, but have fallen at the line against Ireland. That's more my point. Like, where do they go from here now? Like Townsend had one foot out the door and one foot one hand on a new contract <laughs> the whole way through the year it feels like they're kind of yeah we're good but it I, I don't know what's the best well, way to put it but I feel well, like they're, they're as close to falling as they are as close to rising and that's maybe that's yeah. your sense yeah well they've given them a new contract so unless they're going to pay them off with a significant bonus or or, or Leaving, uh, I can't see that he's going anywhere, um, because they gave him the new contract before the World Cup as well. So that suggested that they were happy with it, however it went. Um, so we've got at least I can't remember the length of it. I think it might be to twenty twenty six. It's before the World Cup. I'm sure it's the year before the next World Cup. Um, so it would appear that that's what they're happy to do. We are kind of stuck in this purgatory, I suppose. We're we're, we're the best of the rest, and I would say probably at this moment in time we're the, we're one of the best of the rest by far. Maybe okay, Wales have stepped up massively in this World Cup, so we'll see where they go. But we're probably one of the best of the rest with the, the, the top four teams or so in the world but not good enough to get into that top four either you know we're, yeah. we're, a, we're a good bit behind that top four 
So I don't know where we go. Um, Eddie Jones. Ah, stop, yeah. <laughs> this is bad to say, Matt Williams. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. There's no sermon. Jesus, Eddie Jones, buddy. Aye, that'll be good fun. Um, <laughs> he can he can sign for Japan and then leave Japan and come to us. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't know. I mean, as I said, they, they've obviously... They gave him this contract. We all knew what, what, what was going to happen in the World Cup. We all knew roughly that third was the... We were likely to be third, possibly second. Let's let's look at that. Look at it that way. I don't think we were ever going to have a chance of winning the group. We, but depending on how things go, we may have we may have sneaked second. So it suggests to me that they're happy that they know that potentially third was the best they were going to get. You can't sack them on the back of that, having given them a new contract. That makes it that makes the union look stupid. So uh, we need to we need to. We need to find a plan B. That would be a start. Um, and we need to see what players are coming through because obviously it's the end of, you know, we talk about it in cycles. We're coming to the end of a, a four-year cycle. You know, Richie Gray's not going to be there much longer. He's 33, 34. So on an international stage, you're probably talking the end of, the end of his career. Yeah. Um, you're looking at other players who are getting into their 30s, even Russell's in his early 30s, I think, now. So have we have we blown what would have been our golden generation? Possibly. Um, we haven't got anything to show for it. No Six Nations. Uh, no knockout World Cup matches. It's hard to see. It's hard to see where we go. Will anybody coming in make it better? I don't know. Can he coach those players any better? Possibly, but you're still working with a very limited squad, limited uh, resources at our end. Whereas, you know, you guys have got quite a, quite the academy system coming through, and the young players coming through. Our young players over the last couple of years in the Six Nations and things haven't done very well. Yeah. So, I think I think our best chance of silverware is possibly behind us now. Um, you know, we 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 maybe should have been looking at a six nation uh, coming into this World Cup with a six nations win, maybe not a grand slam, but with a, a six nations, and that's not happened. Or at least a top two so, finish as well. Like it's been, yeah, it's been yeah, third place yeah, at yeah, best, and yeah, even a top, even a top two. You know, we 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 mean mean a couple of ways have spoken it before about how nice would it be. To go into one of these final days of the Six Nations, knowing that, you know what, there's a chance we could actually come away with the title today. And has that really happened? No. As I said, not a Grand Slam. That's fair enough. I accept that. But you know, have we have we looked like we're gonna win the Six Nations at any point? No. So yeah, I don't know where we go from here. Yeah, it's it's that's the thing that the silverware thing is a good point because it does feel like Scotland should have won at least a triple crown or something the last couple of years to be more than good enough. Obviously not being able to get over the line against Ireland is is the main reason and I think it was a 2022 that you lost to Wales or 2020? 2021 and 2022 actually I think it was. Yeah. Um, Both won score games lost to the death but 
yeah, there's there's certainly that question mark. And then like Townsend now is gonna be in his he joined up in twenty eighteen, I think it was, or I believe, or late 2017. So it's a good few years in the job now. And there there is gonna be question marks, I I suppose, especially with the the under twenties not doing well. Tom, I might just come to you. You're kind of good for the, the bigger picture stuff as well. Like what what do you think is a an issue with Scotland or our potential fix and don't say Eddie Jones again but what do you think they can do? Um, I think look it starts with with the two clubs Glasgow and uh, and Edinburgh um, you know I think both have both have had sort of peak times but not at the same time and sometimes when you have two clubs I know they've got some players that, that don't play in the URC but I, I you know the They've had a really good Glasgow team and Edinburgh struggle, and then Edinburgh, obviously Glasgow have been the mainstay of the 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 last you know since probably twenty sixteen, the probably the mainstay and Edinburgh come good and come, I think uh, more effort needs to 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 happen to hold on to some of the players that are playing um not in Scotland um uh, for that continuity, so stuff like that I think the SRU can should and can do and then um. As David pointed out, it's the 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 miss default is at their door with the with what's coming through at under twenties. Um uh and Steam, you know, has been fairly poor enough and uh that's not Gregor Townsend's fault. Um so uh, you know Scottish SRU have have to have to sort of look at that. Um look it is it's very easy to be shitty about how Scotland are going you know straight after a, a loss like that where they feel they don't turn up I don't I don't think there is the situation is as bad as as we're sort of painting um you know Scotland pro, you know Scotland probably a little bit unfortunate to run into a good Ireland and a good France team for the last five years and in other times they would have won six nations um now I know every country could probably say similar stories over the years um you know, I know Ireland won a couple of triple crowns in the eighties when 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 France were like worldies, um. So that happens, but um, it's just I don't think Scotland are as bad as 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 maybe the mood of a, of a, of a, the morning after a match like last night is. Um, I think they'd be right to hold on to Townsend. I think it'd be just too knee jerk to get rid of him. Um, it wouldn't solve the issue. Um, and you know the SRU just back the clubs a bit more and get some guys that aren't playing in. In um, you know, I'm not saying you know Finn Russell may be outside the budget, you know, rumor, but he's on in Bath, but you know other players that are just not playing and then in um in Scotland maybe get them back as best you can. But the URC maybe you can see the Scot the South Africans starting to bring a few players back that they lost as the URC money trickles down to them. So um, that's probably the next challenge for the SRU and the clubs up there. We'll move on past Scotland now. David might breathe a sigh of relief. But um, before we go, I do want to talk about the quarterfinals next weekend before hopefully get to touch on them during the week as well. Ireland against New Zealand is set in stone. That is on Saturday night at 8 o'clock. France against South Africa is Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Two humdinger battles there. Peter, I'll come to you first of all for this one. How do you see it going? Both of them, because we don't have the other two quarterfinals confirmed as we speak, but those two and can Ireland break the curse or is it are you going to wait to see how the injury report is on, on Monday or Tuesday? 
Uh, yeah, I think I think that's it was the first thing I was going to mention is um in terms of the injury list, slightly concerning. So it's uh, Mac Hansen, um I think it was his calf uh kick uh, injury. James Ryan's wrist looked a bit dodgy as well. Um obviously handy to step in, but James Ryan's a great guy guy to bring off the bench, but he didn't look his wrist didn't look right, you know, he stayed on the pitch, just didn't look comfortable with it. James Lou and then Henshaw and Keith Earls also doubts as well. But um yeah, so look there, there's uh, Ireland look it's all relative and I think we've done actually really well. Rugby's a really attritional game and you get a lot of injuries, whereas Ireland have actually done well to avoid any major injuries that we've seen in other teams. So um I think everyone was concerned about Sexton. He's held up relatively well. My concern isn't so great. Now obviously we want to keep Sexton, but Jack Crowley um, it was a fantastic, you know, get guy to come on. I, I think can we win a World Cup if Saxon gets injured? I don't know. I don't even want to have to have to think about it yet. Um, but my point is, look, in some ways, every rugby team at this level is relatively delicate because an injury, a couple of significant injuries, the key players, a card. So even before the Scotland game, chatting with friends and stuff, people were saying, oh. Well, should should win this comfortably enough? I was saying no. See, we get a red card early. Early doors <laughs> could could be a different scenario. Equally, we're in a New Zealand. I think in terms of performances, in terms of the overall atmosphere and the squad momentum. Um, I think our win over South Africa, and then obviously a bit of a confidence boost against Scotland. I think we're in a better place. But there there are th- those things that can go wrong. I'm going to obviously say I think Ireland can beat New Zealand and I predict that they will, but um, New Zealand are formidable and obviously we can't underestimate them. It's become sort of uh, sort of joke about it becoming routine beating the All Blacks now, whereas for years they had that aura about them. And like Ireland have, um, they sorry, New Zealand have been there and done it. They've uh, they've won the World Cup. They've certainly progressed further than Ireland ever have. Uh, we haven't got past the quarters, and that actually means quite a lot. Again, there's that psychological hurdle that Ireland need to get over. But like, I think, um, despite my sort of uh, negative outlook and pessimistic outlook, sometimes I think I think we will win against New Zealand. That's that's a good way to start it. David, I'll come over to you now because I suppose either you're going to put a dampener on us or you're going to tell us that we're playing like one of the best teams in the world, um, like plenty of Scots have, thankfully. But it really feels too tight to call at the moment, either these two. The two quarterfinals are set in stone, I should add, because it's important to look at France, South Africa as well, what is the chance. And like Ireland are doing unreal. South Africa are playing great rugby. France, New Zealand have been unbelievable. So, which way do you see it going? It must be rotten beating the All Blacks every year. It must be so hard for you. <laughs> Thank you. It is. <laughs> you must get sick of it. <laughs> I, I don't think you'll have a better chance. Let's be honest. You have had a number of the last couple of times that you've met them. They're playing really well. If you can't do it with this group of players... Then you're not know. like that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, 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 I know. Yeah. You know, it is. No, it is. It is. It's just if you can't do it with this group of players, you're never going to do it. Yeah, and that that's that's the basics of it. You know, 
Same can be said for France too. That's the other side of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's that's the fuck side of it. I think it's between the two years as to who wins this. I, I don't see others. I would like the Springboks to do well as well, to be quite honest. Um, but I know obviously it's only going to be one of those two that goes through. But it's it has to be between you and France. I think if France can't do it with this generation and the fact that they've got a home tournament. Mm. You guys can't get through to um, the quarters with this group of players against a good but not outstanding All Blacks team. Mm. You know, it's not the All Blacks team of uh, of you know 20, uh, 2015. Thankfully not. Then, eh? I said thankfully not. That would be but very you, scary. You, you know, if you can't do it against that team, then. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Um, what I will say is, if, if whoever you whoever you have in the semis, um, should you get through, that's going to be one hell of a game. That'll because be you, the winner either... of Wales and well, it looks like Argentina at the moment. But was oh, that uh, that sorry? I think yeah, of course. The final is going to be a hell of a game, uh, yeah. but. Uh, Wales and Argentina, I, I don't I don't see either of those two causing you a problem. So you're either you know, France or South Africa I think is 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 what you're gonna end up with. If it's South Africa, well, we've already had the taster for that already. I mean that was as good as a final anyway. If it's France on home turf and the the, the Stade de France mm. that's gonna be that's gonna be one hell of a, a game. Regardless of who wins, um, you, but you, you you won't you won't have a better chance. Yeah, and you'd probably rather play France in a in a final because the old adage finals are more of a leveler than anything else. Everyone is nervous. Everyone has, you know, this yeah. lack of a home advantage to some degree. Tom, like a big thing that we talked about way back when when I had Jamie Wall on the pod previous New Zealand was the front row and how the ad improvement had really helped New Zealand in recent times. Now Tyra Lomax is a doubt for the weekend. And, you know, Ireland did go down to New Zealand with, with I think, Lowe and Hanson. I think Hanson only started one of those three games, if I remember correctly. Like, we had three different centre partnerships in those three games. It really is hard to call, but it's hard not to say that Ireland aren't a better team if they're at full strength. Well, look, as a, you know, I remember looking at Ireland in the in the nineties. You know, uh, I think we won eight matches in total in the Five Nations as it was then. And if you're somebody was to tell me fast forward and say we won five out of the last games against five of the last eight games against New Zealand in the last seven years, I'd be like, something something severely has happened. Something yeah. severely wrong has happened in the direction of where the world has gone for that to happen. Yeah, I agree with David's right. I, you know, we'll never have a better chance. We have to believe ourselves. I think I think if we play well, I think we are probably better than New Zealand. I think we have a lot more structure, but it's it's an open play structure where you're there is there's a lot of attack where I, I think New Zealand still depend on that individual brilliance, which they have and at any given time can beat um the the other three teams that are around them. But I think the reason they're not doing it as much, I think I read a stat they've only won four of the last 12 games against South Africa, France and Ireland. Yeah. And that, just, that, that just tells me that 
they have the individual brilliance. We all know, like, um, the battery they have and, and what they can bring to the game. But the consistency has them in there. So, look, you know, I'm not going to do a Blair Kinghorn. It's <laughs> never going to win. But David Wright, we're never going to have a better chance. Um, you know, out of those five wins, there's obviously out of the last eight games, there's one big asterisk in the middle of that run, and that was the quarterfinal the last time. Um, but I think this is a different team now. I think only half the pack has changed. I think only Peter, Tyg, uh, Josh, and um, somebody uh, else whose name's escaped, yeah. uh, Henderson, are, are there from then, as in the starting team. I think only two of the back line is there, which is Sexton and Ringrose. So, you know, <clears throat> the James Ryans of this world and the Andrew Porters who beat New Zealand junior All Blacks at under 20 level, that, that aura is gone. And it's a lot in rugby. You know what I mean? Whether you're playing. Yeah. You know, my club up here is Scaries and, you know, there's teams you just can't beat. And I'm sure the same and to be said then in Munster or over in Glasgow, there's certain teams you just can't beat at a club level, whether it be local club or, or an international level. But for Ireland, that it wasn't the monkey on the back. It was a fucking silverback gorilla by the time we eventually beat them. It's long gone. And those, these bunch of players are, are well used to winning. So they go in. On an even playing field against uh, against New Zealand, and um, feel like they if they play well they'll win. Um, and that's really all. If you put yourself in that position as a team, that's all you can do. Um, I know some decisions might go in the night, but that's out of your control. You just, I think Ireland are playing well enough and consistent enough. We've already said about the run of games they've had and how many wins out of thirty, whatever. New, New Zealand are going to have to play very well, the best they've played in the World Cup, um, to to win like. A, They've only beaten, I know it sounds, I know, they've only beaten maybe Uruguay and, and, and Italy that really didn't turn up. So it's not ideal prep for them either. Uh, Ireland have, even though last night's game wasn't as hard as maybe we thought it would be, they've had two part pool games against um, South Africa and Scotland and come out relatively unscathed. And, and, and David's right to point out, let's wait for the injuries because I think Ireland, the way we play and the system we have, I think it's important those. Two wingers are back fit. Um, the way you know of low for his exits and and Hansen for his sort of um, attack mindedness in the wide channels and and the ability to put pressure on on Gary Owens and stuff like that is he's he's the best in the squad by far at doing that sort of thing. It's those sort of things he's just got to take for granted that that add to the game. So yeah, look, best chance we're going to have to beat New Zealand. The, 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 the aura has gone off with them for us so yeah just I can't wait for next Saturday it's going to be should be a humdinger of a game well hopefully it is a good game but I'd, I'd take a 3-0 win too all the same you know if it's if it yeah. comes to it like um, lads thank you very much for joining me we've we probably ran on a bit long but it's great to chat about what Ireland's chances and the game and as well to, to touch you on Scotland as well without being just three biased Irish lads we're just three Irish biased lads and a Scotsman as well for a good measure I'll be back tomorrow night with our flagship World Cup review podcast as always we look back on the weekend's games the wrap up the pools and well talk about probably the game of the week that's happening in front of our eyes here is Japan play Argentina in a, in a cracker as always thanks home to everyone for listening and again to the lads for coming on to Tom to David and to Peter and if you like what you see or hear, please do subscribe. You'll find the links for my channels down below. But for now, and until next time, take it easy. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.